Hello and welcome to Season 3 of Mouthwash, fresh chat that leaves you feeling confident. The theme for Season 3 is better. Better everything, from AI to being fairer, big ideas to body language, if it's important to being a fairer person, business or planet, an expert and I talked about it. What follows is an edited recording, as Mouthwash is a live show created just for Twitter spaces, so the quality is more conference call than podcast sound booth. Sponsors are really important to me, so please take a moment to visit Ecology. They planted a tree in the TBD forest for every live listener we had. And if you want to offset your carbon footprint, you can do that easily. Just nip to ecology.com forward slash TBD conference and sign up. That's E-C-O-L-O-G-I dot com forward slash TBD conference. Also, I was honoured to partner with and test out Spaces Dashboard, the helpful tool that's making it super easy to find great audio on Twitter. Check them out on Twitter at Spaces Dashboard, all one word, and mount from Mouthwash for a surprise. Mouthwash is the audio show of TBD, the conference that people call TED without the bullshit. It's going hybrid March 31st, 2022. So get your tickets for the in-person event or the global live stream at universe.com forward slash TBD conference. Universe.com forward slash TBD conference. Use the code Mouthwash. You'll even get 25% off every ticket you buy. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Sign up to the newsletter on my Twitter profile. That's Paul underscore underscore Armstrong. And you'll get informed about all future seasons of Mouthwash. Trust me, you'll want to hear what we have coming up. Finally, as with all good podcasts, please share it on a network you trust. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Mouthwash, fresh chat that leaves you feeling confident Monday to Friday with me, Paul Armstrong, your host, creator of TBD Conference, the conference that attendees call TED Without the BS. It's a strange time around the world, Zoom fatigue to climate change, the great resignation to the metaverse. A lot seems scary, unfamiliar, and people are rethinking everything from core beliefs to the way they work. A core theme seems to be emerging, a desire to improve and make things, including themselves, better. So that's the theme for season three, better. Better everything from AI to PR, body language to open innovation. I'm going to be speaking with massive brains and execs from the likes of Walmart to TikTok about making you and the world you live in a better place. Season three includes New York Times bestselling authors like Duff McDonald to security experts, speech coaches, Silicon Valley startups who want to reverse the aging process. It's going to be a great season. So make sure you get the SMS reminders so you don't miss a minute of it. I'll put up more about that later. We're live on Twitter Spaces and then we turn it into a podcast from Spotify and Apple Music, anywhere where good podcasts reside. Right, let's get cracking with tonight's show. Um, the smart cookie who I'll be speaking to today is uh, Ray Lu. She is an expert in calm, CEO of Grass People Tree, and an all-round amazing person who puts up with my nonsense. Welcome to the show, Ray. How are you doing in sunny South Africa? Good evening, Paul. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> How are you doing? All right. I'm trying to do this very calm, late evening voice. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> I felt if any of these are going to be the ASMR sort of vibe, this will be the one. So I'm very up for that. <laughs> I have to say, I really enjoy the beginning, the music. It reminds me of like early days, like early 2000s in New York. Um, but maybe we we'll unpack that story later. 
Oh, oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, no, I do love a bit of lo-fi myself, I must admit. Um, okay, before I chat more with Ray, let's talk about where we are, how you can get involved. Um, Twitter Spaces is still a beta product from Twitter, so let's explore it a bit. Um, on the mobile app, the bit at the top is called the Nest, and that's where I or any speaker can post tweets like the ones you see up there already. Uh, Mouthwash uses this to discuss them in a section we call Desert Island Tweets, and you can click through to follow accounts, links, etc. It's pretty handy and unique to Twitter, although lots of people are trying to desperately copy it. So you can see all your faces and the speakers are at the top. Spaces allow up to 12 speakers at a time, including you and a co-host. So you can really have a good chat, multiple voices, although Mouthwash is a bit more of a show format. So actually, we take questions via the Mouthwash Show hashtag. Um, click it in the title, save your fingers some tapping. Um, Twitter's also recently included a slew of monetization features. So you actually know they're serious about spaces as well. Very, very cool. If you look at the top right of your phone screen, you'll actually see some icons, dots, people, hearts, and that sort of stuff. The dots are where all the settings are. So you can turn on captions, other accessibility features, super handy if you just want to read or you can't actually hear the audio and that sort of thing. Um, right, do me a favor though, um, click the nest up the top where you can see my name, time to calm down, join us with Mouthful Show, and just share out that space. So just retweet it and let people know that the space is going on. Um, apart from being that's a very nice thing to do, um, the world's relying on you really because every person you entice into the space means a tree gets planted courtesy of the very smart cookies from Ecology. Thanks to Ecology, TBD has now planted over 10,000 trees, so it's really kind of like a subscription for the planet. Um, when you sign up to Ecology, you can forest of your own and reduce your own carbon footprint through verified gold standard climate solutions or add to our forest, whatever you prefer. Um, you'll get a personal profile so you can track your impact, set slow carbon goals and watch your forest grow. Um, join Ecology as they work to reduce half of the world's emissions by 2040 through collective action and you can sign at ecology.com forward slash DVD conference and they spell ecology e-c-o-l-o-g-i dot com. Okay. Mouthwash have been proud to be um, associated with Spaces Dashboard, who provide a new, fast way uh, and easy to see all of the latest live and upcoming and past conversations happening on Twitter Spaces. If you want to try it out for yourself, simply follow them on Twitter and you just go to Spaces Dashboard and you'll get yourself an invite as well. Okay, time to shower Ray in an absurd amount of emojis. So if you click the heart button um, down the bottom, it's a heart with a little plus by it, you'll actually be able to see uh, lots of different um, emojis that you can use. So you've got um, a hand wave, crying, laugh at, laughter, two fingers up, 100%. You choose whatever you want, okay? Um, but please don't stop showering Ray with those emojis until I have finished introducing her. All right, if you're ready, steady, go. Okay. While CEO and founder of Grass People Tree, Ray Lu may be in South Africa, but she's not shy in the festival mountains of Guizhou in China, where she was not only born, but also sources the tea for Grass People Tree, the company she founded to explore her passion, draw diversity, authentic narratives, and experiential learning. Far from a simple tea company, Ray fascinates transformational, uh, facilitates rather, transformational conversations with a growing global and inclusive community. Now a successful business, uh, Ray was previously one of the highest earning fashion models in Asia, being the face of Chanel, Miss Universe China, and also serving in the Navy before heading to London to study at the prestigious Central St. Martin's University. Ray also studies Wing Chun, a Chinese Kung Fu style and form of self-defense, which we'll talk about a bit later. Celebrating five years this week, Grass People Tree is going from strength to strength, working with massive multinationals further into the e-commerce space so you can enjoy tea and calm wherever you are. Ray, I hope that was a good intro. What was the first thing you thought of when you woke up this morning? What was the first thing, what? Uh, you thought of when you woke up. Oh, what a beautiful world. Sorry for being cheesy, but really, it's just so beautiful to be able to wake up, to live another day. It's beautiful. Oh, I, like uh, that. I, yeah. I thought you would give me something, something semi, you know, what, what I would say is not, not one of my answers, but very good. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, um, you've gone through a stack of change recently. How have the last 24 months been for you? What are the highs and lows? Wow, um, where do I start? I guess, I guess this, for everybody really, we've been going through such a transformational 24 months or so. I think for me personally is really because I grow with grass people trees. So um, for the last 24 months, the high would be the, the growing of the community, the yeah. grass people tree community. And that's really growing day by day, strength by strength. And, and now it feels a really tight, loving, supportive family, everybody together globally. That's really, really amazing. One of the lows, I think, is it's about not being able to go back to the mountains where I grew up in mm -hmm. and to be with the people that, that made those teas or teach me or be my fathers and mothers and grand, grandparents, um, not being able to be close to them. That's been, that's been kind of very, very challenging for me because I grew up with nature and um, when I was in London, it was hardly much of a forest and stuff for me to hide in. So that's, that's been challenging. Mm. But I think in, in general, it's, it's been a really big learning curve and a lot of, lot of transformation happened for me internally and also I, I assume for everybody externally as well. It's been really amazing. Oh, good, good. Okay, um, tell me about young Ray. What was it like growing up in Guizhou, um, which is Southwest China, in case people aren't familiar? Mm. So my well done for pronouncing Guizhou, Paul. By the way, it's amazing. Uh, I went on YouTube <laughs> this morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. So Guizhou is which is in southwest of China, and back in the nineties, not even Chinese people would know about my province because it was so in inaccessible. Um, growing up since the mid eighties, from there, it was my childhood memory would be swimming with the water buffalo in the river um, and the backdrop is just thousands of mountains behind us and diving into the river and staying staying at the waterbed and and looking at the the pelicans diving into the water and catch the fish that was my favorite favorite um one of the favorite um, activities when i was a child is swimming with the water buffalo and with the birds and the fishermen catching the fish so it's that sort of a um, setting which can be quite romantic I guess from from a western media point of view um, but it was as a child I was it was really wild childhood as it, it really enabled me to to climb the mountains climb the trees and you know just just running around barefoot everywhere and being being really happy yeah so that's sort of what the childhood was like and how did that transition then into, sorry, you're no, you're no stranger to the fashion world. How did that transition, how did you transition into that? How did I get into fashion, you mean? Yeah. Um, it was actually quite funny because it, it, was, um, it was a joke by my, my, four of my best friends. They signed me up in the, in the newspaper and said there was a modeling competition. So between them, they made a bet that I wouldn't win it. And I, so I just, just so it happened, I, I ended up winning the regional and then went on and won the, the national. And then that was when I was uh, almost 16 uh, in, in high school, grade one, I remember, and everything changed. And then immediately I got signed by agency, I know one of the biggest agency, um, and I was then signed to uh, another agency in Europe, and everything sort of just took off um, without uh, any preparation mentally, physically, spiritually. 
and he just went. It was now I think back, it was really, really mad. But I think when he was living it, he just get on with it and ride ride the waves really. So it was yeah, it was quite an interesting um, previous life as I call it nowadays. Mm. <laughs> How do you think that being in fashion impacted who you are today? Mm. I think I think it's about it's a very slow process for me to find that alignment with who I really am as to where I come from and how I grew up and what my communities is like because um, fashion sort of did it in a really extreme way for me to teach me this lesson because as a model as you show up at castings for example it would say your your ass is too big or your your chest is 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 a great size and you know everything is taken from the face value and nobody was really ever really interested in where you come from or your stories and everything so when i was in there i was you know for more than 10 years i was working in the fashion industry so i just wasn't wasn't very happy but i couldn't really figure out why until i started um sharing tea within the fashion and advertisement industry um, with people who wanted to take a moment and wanted to connect. And then I started to share my stories and realized actually people um, really see my stories and feel the being part of it. And actually there's a genuine dose of curiosity and openness to who I really am from the inside. Um, so that's, I guess that's, that's what fashion has taught me is to really look inward and honor um, my past and my upbringing and who I really am. I'm, I'm really still just a child love, who loves to share anything, tea, food, and anything that I find joy in. I just love sharing. So I think fashion has taught me to really embrace these things um, and then to live life from a very joyous point of view um, because of that alignment. Yes. Very cool. Um, I, I only found out recently that you were in the Navy. Um, t tell me about that. How did you get in the Navy? <laughs> it was basically I, after high school, because I was doing a lot of modeling. So academically, I wasn't really like being an excellent student. So, but I really wanted to go to Shanghai. So I was like, okay, what are the universities I go to within Shanghai? So I ended up in the, in the maritime university, which was part of the Navy, um, management. So that's how I got into it. I, I, I got into the uni and actually I went in there and studied and art. So that was my that was my major, were my majors when I was in uni. Uh, but within that university setting, there was actually a lot of things we, we do as you would do it in proper Navy. Um, so that would mean getting up, uh, woken up by somebody blowing the trumpet, there's a melody and you wake up um, and then you put a put a uniforms on and you march in the square to the to the sort of the running track and everyone do exercise. So everything is is actually very disciplined, very much managed and um, coordinated and unified. Um, that's how I got into it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you set up People Tree in 2016, but clearly you've been sharing tea you know, since a very early age. Um, it's going strength to strength with Grass People Tree. Um, E-commerce has really grown through lockdown. Um, how do you make sure you match the online experience uh, with the authentic practices, if that makes sense? Mm, mm, that's a great question. Um, I, I think it's, it's just making sure 
the alignment of my intention. So uh, you've been to my to my tea experiences, and we did a lot of tea experiences together for TBD yeah. and and different events. So me showing up is really to share my stories and to share the part of culture that I grew up in, and to share the part of the world I'm from, and to share you know the the, the wisdom and the, the the people and everything. So so I think that has always been my intention. And it's, it's more and more clarified uh, since, since the journey of Grass People Tree and also since lockdown. So I think when everything shifted online and growing e-com is really about aligning the same intention. I am here to share my stories through tea. And then that becomes very, you know, just, just very easy for me because it, it comes all the way from my heart. Um, and then from there, we actually created the Master's Tea House online. Um, because there's actually a physical master's tea house. When when you go to Guizhou, um, you'll be able to sit there and drink tea together, all of us. Um, so we actually built this virtual tea house for people to come in and create this whole virtual experience to embrace that intention, which is to share the story and to share the part of tea stories that that, that weren't shared before. So I think that that's sort of just naturally um, grown into you know, towards the virtual way, but the intention has always been there and always been the same. Mm. Can you, I've put a, um, a tweet up in the nest, which explains um, the parts of a set that you have for tea. Can you walk us through how a tea ceremony actually is um, and how you would use the set? Ah, okay, yes. So um, the set that you see in the photo here, um, it actually has different Parts. So within a Chinese ceremony, we, we actually say Gong Fu Cha, Kung Fu Tea. So um, within that, you would have a Gai Wan, which means a bowl with a lid, a little bowl. And you'll have a Gong Dao Bei, which we mean, uh, it, it means fairness cup, which is the vessel you use to, to go and serve after you pour the, the tea into the fairness cup from the, lid, uh, from the Gai Wan. And then you even it out into three cups. So in this set, there's actually one, two, five different elements. So there's a Gai Wan, there's a Gong Dao Bei, and there are three cups, and they're all stackable into one. So within that, you, you can actually just do a ceremony pretty much. And within the Chinese ceremonies, it's really, you know, a lot of people think when we mention the word tea ceremonies, a lot of it is associated with, a Japanese style of tea ceremony where um, it, it has a very specific uh, purpose because the origin of Japanese ceremony um, is to do with, a lot of it is, is about Buddhism, is about discipline, is about um, getting closer to that path. But then in China, in China tea um, is very diverse culturally and also ceremonial way um, they're, they're very different. So I can only speak um, on behalf of um, my part of the world where I grew up in southwest of China, where the tea ceremony could just be anything. So it could be something really proper, like what you see here on the photo with a, with a guy one with a gong dao bei, and you serve each one of them. But it really doesn't have to be like that. When you actually go to China, you will discover everybody, almost everybody would have a flask and then you just put the teasing and throw the watering and you drink it from the flask. 
every single day from morning to night, and you just keep on topping up the water. So that, to a lot of people, it might not seem to be the tea ceremonial way from the very stereotypical point of view, but I I would say for every single person who use their own ways to brew tea, there is a ceremony within that. Um, so so I yeah I, I just wanted to emphasize that not to be sort of trapped on the on the concept of a of a ceremony. It could be so much um, richer and very very diverse. And this is one of them, the photos that you showed. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the key, isn't it? I think a lot of people think they, that there's a lot of um, things you have to do and get ready and that sort of thing. And one thing you taught me very early on is you don't have to have any of that. It's about taking the time, creating the moment and, um, you know, enjoying that sort of centeredness and sort of time that you're spending. Um, I put up the, um, what I call the family pamphlet um, and that sort of thing. But if you click through, you'll be able to see all the different types of um, tea and colours. Right, which is best for calmness? Uh, that's such a good question. Um, the, I have to say that there's, there's no, it's not like a drug. You take it and it, it cures it. <laughs> but but to, to, to simplify it, I think um, you always have to start asking yourself, how am I feeling now? Right. So, and then you go and choose a tea. I, so for, for, you know this, for whoever come to the table when we do a tea ceremony, it would be re- irresponsible for me to tell you which tea you should drink because um, your needs sing every single day from morning to noon to afternoon to evening, your needs change and nature changes. So every time when you ask yourself, how am I feeling now? It, it could be a different answer. So I can't be here to say, drink this tea is going to give you uh, a level of calmness. I think it's, uh, the calmness is a, is a byproduct, I think, that you get. Um, and tea is also a vessel for you to create that space for you to experience um, something that is less stressful, let's say, less uh, thoughts and less, um, let's say, um, extreme emotions. So tea is a vessel to, to facilitate that space for you. So um, I can't really pin down things. To, to say, okay, drink this tea is going gonna, is gonna to make you feel this way. But I think it's the very process of um, doing things intentionally and then you can sort of get to the point of calmness. But having said that, um, what I'm going for usually um, when, when I need some calmness, when things are getting a bit too much, when I had too much phone calls, too much Excel sheets, I would definitely, definitely go for a master's uh, white, which is an aged tea. So in in Chinese we say one year white tea, three years uh, a medicine, seven years a treasure. Um, so when you age white tea, there's a lot of anti-inflammatory inflammatory elements. There's a lot of antioxidants. There's a lot of uh, vitamin C and D and A minerals and, and everything that gets slowly aged, so they become more and more medicinal. Um, so HYT was, was used for, you know, has been used for more, almost 5,000 years to treat um, inflammation, to treat uh, infection, to treat even redness on your skin, um, all these sort of like, we, in Chinese we say the heat-related uh, symptoms. 
so it, it cools you down. But um, HYT cools you down in a very mellow way, um, in the sense of for your mental space, in the sense for your physical well-being, and also if you, if you wanted to meditate, it also creates that very gentle, soft landing place for you to for you to be. Um, so I think, and also I, I would say uh, YT is also really good for. Um, a calmness collectively for a team. So we facilitate a lot of um, workshops or, or for companies, they actually use YT, uh, Masters White in particular, uh, to facilitate their brainstorming meetings um, or, or a lot of like um, negotiation and things. It, it seems to, to be able to open that space for them. Um, so yeah, Masters White, I would say. In the okay, brilliant. Um, I think the one thing as well, so I'm using the flask at the moment, which I desperately love. It's just a beautiful glass object, which enables me to take tea with me wherever I go. Um, that was the biggest revelation for me when I was, uh, you know, being schooled uh, in tea by yourselves. Um, it's it's a, it's sort of taking the time to have this experience on the go and not feeling it's too rigid. I think that was the, that was the sort of learning for me. It's like, oh, I don't have to find a place that can do this. And that's the thing. I can actually do it myself. Uh, and I think the tea set certainly helps that. Um, it's more than just you know having tea whenever and that sort of thing it's really sort of creating a ritual around it and think can you talk about that and sort of what you mean about how people can sort of make the time yes yes i think um uh, so when i started grass people tree i was so committed to sharing tea in a hassle-free way because i personally don't drink tea in such a ceremonial way every single day or from morning to evening. It really varies. Going back to the point that I mentioned earlier is, uh, we, you know, we live with people. Uh, we're urban folks. We have all sorts of different activities, um, all sorts of different things. So I think our lifestyle choices um, have to facilitate our, you know, what we do every day. So tea obviously has been one of those elements that has always been in my life and when I go for meetings when I go into the tube uh, when I go to meet somebody and when I go to someone's company I would just have a flask so the, the flask for me is is a teapot when I wanted to share the tea and, and I know you share you use the tea you use the flask to share tea as well um, I use that as a as a hot water bottle when I really feel like I need a cuddle in a winter day, particularly London winter day. Um, I use that when I when I go out and uh, have a walk. I put it in the in the fridge when I need to make a cold brew, all sorts. So I think it's about. Um, I I don't think time is relevant here as much. It's about the intention that you have um, to to be in a space with yourself. So in creating those space that, that is alone with yourself, then within that, um, the calmness would come, let's say, and the, the space would come. So even for me, um, very often, almost every single tube journey I have in London, I would make sure, even I was squashed into a sardine, I would still take my flask out and to take a sip because that was the moment when I'm connected, I could smell the leaf and I could see the leaves opening up and, and twirling last and I drink it and I feel it, I taste it and then when I take a breathe, uh, take a breath and I remember I'm still here. So so I think it, it could be in a very condensed dose, dosage way when you 
in a bus or waiting for something to happen, waiting for a meeting. Or you could be, let's say, okay, after my lunch, I have 15 minutes. I just need to clear some mental space to prepare for my next meeting. And that could be at 15 minutes and just dedicated on doing that and drinking very mindfully, sipping, um, you know, very intentionally. So I think it, it's, it's, it's really up to you how you want to spend your day and how you want to create that level of um, space for you to step into. Um, and the floss, I think, is it's, it's quite resilient in that respect. Yes. I, I think it's interesting. You, you said a few things there, which I think a lot of people don't ever really take the time to sort of do. Number one is um, realise the smells around them and intentionally sip things. I think that's the sort of key for me when it comes to being karma is re- recognising I am in a not necessarily a state, but I'm in a certain way at the moment and I don't want to be that any longer. Do you think that there is um, sort of too much focus on the sort of stimulation side of tea and more that it needs to be not necessarily about creating a fake ritual, but sort of giving people a time to sort of take for themselves? Hmm. That's such a good question, Paul. Can you ask me again? I'm just trying to articulate a little bit. Yeah, I'll try and remember it. Um, It was, do you (laughs) think that um, people need to sort of create these sort of mini rituals for themselves and sort of take the time to... um, you know, understand where they are right now and that a that, that change needs to occur on a sort of daily basis rather than it becoming a huge thing. I, I see like parallels between the way people sort of um, tea ceremony for themselves, but also how they need to think when they say at work or that sort of thing. It's like taking time to recognise that their feet are on the floor and sort of create a new sort of ritual or, you know, instance of doing something like creating tea uh, or having tea. Mm. Do you think that's the sort of focus that people need to do, realise that they're in one state but they're into another and that's how they sort of become better calm? Yeah, I, from what you just said, I think one key word jumps out to me is the word awareness. So I think whether or not, like you said, you know, whether we're overstimulated or we are feeling sad or I'm pissed off because somebody said this, you know, sometimes we it's so easy for our thoughts to go into a spiral that we don't even realize until two days later, we're like, yesterday, I was just well pissed off because and then you become realized of these things that happen to you. So I think it's, it's, and awareness is not something just comes when we're born. It needs practice, it needs cultivation, um, it needs time to nurture. So I think that awareness is it, it, something that you, you say here, which is very, very important. And I think tea is is one of the ways for us to cultivate that awareness because it it facilitates a time and the space for you to say okay uh, even just when we talk about ritual what is a ritual it's something that you do intentionally right whether it's putting a tea bag into a mug and stirring and 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 i see a lot of people do this when you make a mug with a tea bag People put in hot water and they put in the tea bag, they dip it, they put the milk in, they stir it. There's a lot of ritual and they do it without even noticing perhaps that they're actually performing a ritual intentionally. Because I think once whatever you do, if you bring in the intention, then the awareness will come. And even the awareness doesn't come immediately, you plant a seed for the awareness when you do it more. So I think I think it's about for us to sharpen this awareness for it to really thrive in us. So whenever we're thinking, 
oh, okay, I'm, I'm just, this is, this is a bit too much for me now. So then you know what resources you go to for you to step into that space. But then before you have, uh, you, before you know resources, you have to realize the awareness is, is first, first and foremost, very, very important to realize, um, to realize your thoughts and to realize your pattern, your habit and all of this. So I think in, in that respect, I, I think um, in, in, in particularly even in my case, is when things are getting a bit too much, I'll just say, okay, I'm going to go and put a kettle on, I'm going to drink a tea, um, which just means that I'm going to naturally just let the thoughts fall apart and by paying attention to what I'm doing, to where I'm at, um, even by asking what, what am I feeling now, and that's already uh, awareness practice. And let alone if you take the tea out from the bag, you, you look at the shade, you smell it, you put it into the water, and you smell it, and the, the, the tea gets brewed into in color of infusion, and you pay attention to that. Every single thing, it is this little, every little step that um, gradually sort of dissolve those thoughts that you have in, in your head that ultimately creates that level of calmness that we have uh, and we need. I agree. And Ray, just listening to you then, I think you need an ASMR podcast. I think you have a stunning voice and I think it needs to be like put into a productized, if that's the thing. But anyway. Um, okay. Thank you. Uh, you can't lull me on to sleep. I've got a job to do. All right. Um, so um, the guy, you introduced me, um, I think it was a couple of years ago. Well, it must have been more than a couple of years ago now, um, to Sifu, uh, Julian Hitch, um, who we spoke with last season on Mouthwash. Um, you've been studying for years with him. Um, can you talk a bit about what Wing Chun is uh, for people who might not know what it is and how it adds calm into your life? Um, most people wouldn't normally think of Kung Fu as calming. Yeah, me either, from the starting point. Um, but I, I grew up in a tea house where Kung Fu is everywhere. In Chinese, we're actually Kung Fu and Yi always hand in hand. It's always in a tea house. There's people drink tea and then you feel great and you go and do a bit of Kung Fu. And Kung Fu has so many different styles and lineages and things, right? So I'm not strange to the practice of Kung Fu. Um, when I grew up in a tea house, we, we, we did a lot of Tai Chi um, and different other forms. Um, but when I met Julian, um, it was really about, it's, it's actually about empowerment for me. And calmness, like I said earlier, calmness was a, was a byproduct that I stumbled across later. I was like, wow, in order for me to be powerful, I need to make sure that I'm calm so that because the most formidable power comes from the softness in my body and in my mind. This might sound philosophical, but actually when you get into Wing Chun, you understand actually when your body is relaxed, you're, you're, you, can, you can punch with far, far uh, faster um, uh, speed, uh, further range, and you're very, very resilient in that respect. So I was led into it by thinking I'm going to be strong. Um, I wanted to be stronger from, from an internal point of view. I want to feel strong, um, women's point of view. And, uh, but then within that is actually a, a very intentional crafting of how to, how to be soft. And within the softness, you need to craft how to be calm. So um, in Wing Chun, we, we say, um, be ready to be punched. 
within that sentence is such a statement be ready to be punched what does that mean when when you've been punched a hundred thousand times uh, when the then when the punch comes to you you're calm enough to take it so what does that say to me it says it says about uh, a few things one thing is about fear how we look at fear um, and if we can really um, have the interest to go into looking at fear from its root, from its very nature, then we would understand what what calmness is, right? So, so I think by practicing Wing Chun, there's there's a lot of very very deep, really fundamental questions that um, that we we need to address in order to in order to feel that power, that speed, and that dexterity. Um, it all comes from the softness and the calmness. Apart from um, tea and Wing Chun, what else do you do for calmness? Because I feel like you instill calmness in other people, you know, being around, the way that you move, you know, just offering to, to do tea with people and that sort of stuff. But what else do you do mm. for calmness? Mm-hmm. I have to say this, and with with brutal honesty, is is that I I go around and, and facilitate tea experiences for individuals and for companies um, with with a tag calmness, right? Because because I, I think in modern society this is really what um, what needs to be provided for people, and I think it's it's a very important practice. But in my own personal um, perspective and my own personal practice, um, I very much see calmness as a as a byproduct, because because I I think why I say this is I think. If if I have the the right point of view, um, that is wise, that that comes from wisdom, comes from the ultimate truth, then calmness will come, and a lot of things will come. So I'll give you an example of of this: is that um, how I view things, for example. So um, if if I because uh, let's say if I see emotion. Um, they are they are happy, they are very sad, they're they're jealous, there's anger, different things, right? So when I look at them, when they come and surface to me, I look at them, I try, I try every single day, I try every single day and spend a lot of time trying to look at them as they are. And because of this very act, calmness will come to me um, as 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 sort of like a extra offering. And and I think it's is having these um, the point of view of seeing how our mind works fundamentally is really going into looking very closely of how our mind works, how our thoughts function, and then understand emotions and stress and uh, different things how they appear, and looking at them and really understanding them, and then the, then the calmness would come. So. Um, what I do is usually in the morning. I it's, it's in the morning is all about movement for me. So I stretch. I do breathing, different exercises of breathing. Uh, sometimes I take a walk. Uh, sometimes I dance around. Uh, just some most of the time just being silly and really embracing that softness and the, the child like me in the morning. And usually in the night, like right now when I'm talking to you guys and all the audience, I have candles on. I have uh, cups of warm water, and usually in the for me is is to to close in, to curve inward, and then from that I would journal just whatever surface 
from my from my head and I'll just write it down. Um, and then usually I will write um, uh, something that I feel that um, that is positive and affir affirming, and I'll just write it down in the journal as well. Otherwise, I'll just read. Um, so these are the things I, I think that really helps me is is to um, to to look at how things really are, and I think that really really helps on the on the on the calmness side and on the stress side and all these all these all these things. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I don't know whether I'm making sense. No, absolutely. Journaling is one of the biggest and most underrated things for two reasons. Number one, it's somebody taking time to do something for themselves, which is rare these days. But also, um, you're able to see patterns occur. Um, with behaviours or, you know, things that you're letting happen to you or things that are happening to you that you didn't quite realise. And, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of therapy has come out from that and that sort of thing. So, yeah, journaling, 100%, I think, a good, good tip there. Um, before we do your Desert Island tweet, um, you mentioned it before, the Master's Tea House. It's obviously virtual at the moment. Tell us a bit more about the future of where that's going and how people can get involved. Oh, the future is very exciting. So the future, we're going to build one in the mountains as a retreat for all of us to go and be calm. <laughs> and, um, and so that's the long-term future plan. Um, and in the short term, I think because of the uncertainties um, on each every, in each every country and how we can you know, deliver or facilitate experiences, I think Master's Tea House will continue to be a virtual global tea village for people from all walks of life to join. Um, so we usually hold um, many different activities and events. Um, some of them is about tea, it's about sharing the sort of tea history uh, beyond the colonized history, for example. And it could be something really practical to share um, how to brew tea and even how to pair your mood with tea, for example, different events like that. But we also have, um, sometimes we go a bit deeper. We we um, will go and explore how we have the resources and tools and ways to explore our internal landscape. Um, that includes in how to how to create the ways to, to have calmness, for example. Um, or how to look at our thoughts, um, or meditation, this sort of thing. But also more and more, we're doing a direct, uh, very direct live streaming with the tea house in Guizhou. Um, because as I grew up in, in the tea house, there's, it's actually like a cultural hub. So you go there to drink tea and let the time passes, but you also go there to learn Kung Fu, you're there to discuss philosophy, you're there to practice calligraphy, Chinese chess, um, flower arrangement, all things traditional at the tea house that we can learn and we, we learn from each other as well. So we've been um, planning a lot of um, live streaming in the coming months that directly uh, live stream from the tea house. So I'm hoping that could also bring a, a more direct connection from our tea communities and friends around the world um, with the tea house and with the tea house crew and everybody that is involved in making the tea. Um, so I think bringing people closer from both sides is, is what the Master's Tea House is planning to do in the near future, yeah. 
Very cool. Very cool. Um, I've put a tweet up in the nest just about the uh, e-commerce side of what you do as well. People might want to gift something themselves or have people they want to gift it to as well. Um, that picture up there is the flask. I use that every day and it has really changed my mornings of how I focus and get lots more work done. Um, so definitely check that out. Um, Ray, can you gift Calmless? Of course you can. Of course you can. I think you can gift anything if you have the intention to do so. So I think gift calmness is about your intention for somebody, you wish someone to, to take time to take that space for themselves, right? And, and as we discussed in the power also, it's, it's tea is a good facilitator for, for somebody to, to embrace that um, space for him or herself. So I think when you gift calmness, um, it's, it's, a, it's about the tea itself um, because, you know, the tea grows from a very calm environment and, and perhaps that's another, another topic for another day. Um, but also I think it's about the very act of brewing it, the brewing the calmness in every sip um, because our, our tea actually, you can each every tea, one serving, uh, Paul, you know this, one serving can be brewed for 10, 15 times. It just keeps on going and going. And imagine how many sips you're going to take and how many sips of calmness you're going to have. So I think um, it's, it's really about creating that ritual. And by putting that ritual to somebody, I think it's, it's a really meaningful thing. No, definitely, I agree. I think it's one of the one of the most powerful things. That's why I wanted you on this season because I think it is important that people take more time for themselves, and certainly they're doing it at the moment. Right, mm. it is time for Ray's Desert Island tweets, the part of mouthwash where the guest picks a tweet or two that's changed their mind or way of thinking in some way. Um, so please turn your attention to the nest, and um, there is a tweet from. Um, I hope I'm not saying the name right. Krishna Murti, is that right? Yes. Brilliant. And it says, only through self-awareness and the revealing self-knowledge it brings can the mind escape from its own bondages and limitations. Why did you pick this one, Ray? Um, I think it, this, this, this is about the, the fundamental essence of, of calmness and the opposite. So when we talk about stress, um, the opposite side of calmness, whatever that means to you, is really about the mind creating such bondages and limitations. So I think it's, it's by understanding that, really, it's really through understanding this, then we can approach calmness in a much more informed way. It's, it's, it's so much more than tea ceremony, so much more than yoga or meditation, that the most important thing is the view of realizing what our mind does to us and how we see it objectively and having the courage to see it objectively, and then we can achieve calmness. So I think um, this is a very, very important person in my, in my life by reading his words and his books. And actually, um, I wanted to extend by saying my, there's an island book, there's a book called The Freedom from the Known. And I think that's a really, really beautiful book for us to delve into looking at calmness and all the other things that we've been we've been chasing and that will give a lot of um, questions for us to answer ourselves. So this is the reason why. Oh, can you say that book again, Ray? The freedom from the known. 
Ah, okay, brilliant. I'm going to look at that up. Um, I think it's a good sentiment um, where to leave tonight's conversation on. Um, thank you for being part of Mouthwash, Ray. Um, any final thoughts or advice for listeners when it comes to um, tea or being calm? Mm. Just no? keep, just it's... keep. I think just keep um, reminding ourselves that creating time and have cultivating our awareness is is very important. And also, I, I wanted to extend my gratitude to you, Paul, and for, for always supporting Grass People Tree and for loving the tea and for sharing the tea. And thank you, everyone, for joining in today and to, to join our calm conversations. And, um, yeah, I, I really, my, my most sincere well wish every single audience here, hope you find that calmness that is meaningful to you and hope you continue those practices that cultivate the calmness um, that is meaningful to you. Thank you so much, Paul. Amazing. Thanks, Ray. All right. I've got an amazing cohort of people this season on Mouthwash. I've got Google Xers, security experts, entrepreneurs, designers, speechwriters, best-selling authors, big tech, Silicon Valley startups, all the way through to Walmart. If it's important to being a better person, business, or keeping the planet good, uh, we're talking about it. Up tomorrow is the daddy of Twitter spaces, Danny Singh, and we're talking about open innovation, audio, and a lot more besides. Sounds like you need a text reminder for when Mouthwash is going live. Say no more. Head over to Mouthwash Show, and the brilliant folks at Norbeat will text you when we're live. Trust me, you don't want to miss an episode. There are some amazing people going to speak to us very candidly this season. Um, in fact, find out everything over at Mouthwash Show, or the hashtag Mouthwash Show, uh, all one word, including newsletter or a pre-fill calendar. Cheapers, there's just no excuse not to tune in every day in November. Once again, my thanks to the amazing Raylu. Thank, follow her on Twitter. Get yourself a flask. Find out more at grasspeopletree.com. Please show your appreciation as well one more time with a shower of emoji as Ray as the music plays us out. Thank you for joining. Thanks to Ecology for planting a tree for every one of you. And thanks to Spaces Dashboard for helping good audio be found. I've been Paul Armstrong. This has been Mouthwash. Fresh chat that leaves you more confident only on Twitter Spaces.